Good morning and welcome to Walk and Talk. Uh, it is September 21st, Wednesday. Another beautiful morning. Going out for a walk to start the day. Um, today I'll talk about something that I actually just thought about this morning. An idea that just came to me. Uh, and the one-liner is basically that um, free time is undervalued because it is free. So there's a few ways to go about this because it's maybe not super immediately clear why uh, what this means. Um, but I'll try to approach it from a few different angles. I haven't really thought about this exact point before, so not sure you know, how concise the description will be uh, or the you know perspective, the varying perspectives on it, frameworks to think about it. But we'll go for it anyway. So the first is starting with the the um, you know the one-liner I mentioned. Free time is undervalued because it is free. Uh, so let's start with, you know, regardless of the because it is free, free time is undervalued. Um, what is free time? Free time, from my perspective, is time that is uncommitted. Um, I think we can pretty simply sort of leave it at that. So uh, any block of time that you do not have any demand on that time, whether it's work or some activity or responsibility or plan or getting ready for some plan or something like that. Um, and I believe pretty strongly that it's undervalued because people don't really reserve time for free time. I guess you could argue that if you reserve time for free time, it's like not free in a way because it's sort of reserved for that purpose. But I would include that in the definition of free time. Uh, you know, if, if your time is committed to nothing but nothing itself, then I think that's certainly free time. Um, and people don't really do this. Uh, you know, we put things on our calendar for... Um, meetings and various to-dos and parties and events and things like this, but um, people don't block off their calendars very often for free time, and even if they do, they probably have an idea of, um, maybe not all the time, maybe some people do, but they probably have an idea of, um, you know, what they typically do during that free time. Um, the types of people who value free time extremely highly probably don't really use calendars, um, or at the very least, their calendars are probably very sparsely filled. Um, and of course, you know, if you have a job, calendar tends to get filled with meetings and calls at the very least. Um, and so it might not seem like you have a choice. But, um, you know, I think people 
tend to underestimate the number of choices that they have in life. And some have, you know, maybe a bit less choice than others. But, um, for example, someone who's an extremely high earner, let's say an investment banker, uh, you know, has gotten used to an extremely comfortable lifestyle of, or not even comfortable, but luxurious lifestyle of having a really, um, you know, high cost of living, consistently high cost of living, all these vacations, big house, uh, you know, nice car, fancy dinners, golf club, all this. Um, and so it doesn't seem like a choice for them to stop working their very high-paying job. But the reality is if they were to readjust their priorities a bit, you know, uh, I'm not suggesting this is like the right thing or anything like that, but you could sell the house, sell the car, quit the club, um, put a pause on the fancy vacations for a little while, and, uh, you know, work for a couple years, save almost all your money, uh, do some more home cooking instead of going out to fancy dinners or at least go out to some regular dinners, something like this, and, uh, you know, save a ton of money over a couple of years with a super high salary and bonus and probably build yourself a runway to live for several years without needing to work at all in a lower cost of living environment like Argentina or Thailand or something like this. And again, I'm not advocating that that's the right thing to do or anything like that, but I'm just demonstrating that that is an option that, you know, a choice that one has available to them in a situation where they might regard, you know, their current position as not being a choice and they of course they have to keep working they absolutely have to and I think there's some good reason for this it's sometimes easier to go about your day to day when you sort of are convinced that you have to do it um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't enjoy it but um, just this feeling that whether you like it or not you have to do it uh, versus sort of choosing it every day can be a little bit of a burden, I feel like. Um, and of course, you don't want to like choose it one day and then not choose it another day and be very fickle with how you live and things like this. But anyway, uh, moral of the story there is I think people tend to underestimate the degree of choice that they have in life. They assume all of these default things that have to sort of stay consistent and good, but really you can in a lot of ways, do you want and live where you want, with who you want, you know, work on what you want, all of these things, uh, maybe not all of them, uh, you might have to sacrifice one for another or the like, but certainly all of the things that are sort of fixed in your current life, um, you should not think is so much obligations and, uh, have to do's, but more so choices and choose to do's. And if you get really fed up with one for a very long time, you might consider changing that up and choosing to do something else 
perhaps it's a sacrifice of something that you are willing to give up that you hadn't considered um, before. So anyway, people have a lot more choice. But uh, coming back to the main point on free time, um, so the concept of free time being undervalued because it is free, uh, let's talk about the latter piece now. Um, well, actually, before I get there, I'll, I'll speak to the undervalued point for a bit. I talked about people don't usually have that much free time or give themselves reserve that much free time. Um, there's a bunch of reasons I think free time is extremely valuable. Um, and it's a little bit hard to verbalize, but... Um, I don't know, I've taken longer periods of higher free time in my life and uh, have found them to be very beneficial. Um, you just, what, one reason that it's very useful, I think, is that um, you can't commit your time to things that are worthwhile or things that you want to do or want to try. Or, you know, you can't have time to experiment with new things or any of this. Uh, if you don't have any free time, all of your time is occupied. And you find, like, the best opportunity in, a world, in the world by whatever, you know, uh, qualifications or criteria that, that has for you. You find something that you really want to do, but it's going to take three hours a week. If you have a bunch of free time you can easily commit three hours a week to this thing, at least for a while, and try it and see if you like it and how how worthwhile it all feels to you. Um, and then if you don't like it, you scrap it and you get your free time back. But um, if you're fully busy and you have every block of the day filled with something and just can't find three hours in your week to commit to even trying this thing, uh, then, and of course, you could find three hours, uh, like I said, on choices, but um, you would have to give something up at the very least. And it's very easy to sort of assume that everything in your current system and on your current schedule needs to be there. Um, otherwise, you sort of wouldn't have it there in the first place. But of course, this is not true. Uh, you have tons of things on your schedule that do not need to be there. and could be given up. Um, so the free time gives you, allows for a, a frictionless ability to go and try something new and spend your time on something um, that you think might be valuable and then, you know, you can delete it. If it's not, but you that opportunity to try um, and so if you really maximize the free time on your schedule, which I did, but I didn't have a job for a while, um, what that allowed me to do was start with, like, the very fundamentals of things that, like, I literally at one point sat down and wrote down, like, things that I thought were worthwhile doing and things that I enjoyed 
and sort of the overlap of the two uh, and sort of some of the criteria I thought about were, you know, what are things that are um, things that I can do that are healthy, that will make me happy or um, that might make me wealthy or that might sort of increase my sense of purpose. I thought those were four pretty good, pretty good things that uh, like common, very high level things that make things feel worthwhile. Uh, you know, if you enjoy them, if they bring happiness, if they're healthy for you, if they're going to make you wealthy, and if you're going to push back on the wealthy bit because people like to pretend that, you know, they don't want money or whatever. Um, you know, most of your day, you're probably not to like pick on you listening or anything like that, but speaking to anyone, uh, most of the day, or at least a large part of your days and weeks and life is going to be spent working a job, which, um, you know, it may bring you happiness. It probably doesn't bring you health directly, but maybe, um, but probably not. And it may bring you purpose, but the only thing that it for sure brings everyone is on the spectrum of wealth. And, you know, not that all jobs make everyone who does them wealthy or anything, but just roughly talking about money, we do jobs for money. Um, and so, you know, it's a very real and valid reason to spend your time on something, in my opinion. I think wealth beyond a certain point may not be super valuable, but anywhere, if you're anywhere below the point at which you have financial freedom, whatever that level is for you, uh, I think wealth is, you know, really important and valuable. Uh, and it sort of sounds silly to even argue or talk about, but there's like this, um, you know, uh, the, whatever stigma about like caring about making money for some people and other people don't even know what I'm talking about right now, but uh, it's mostly a stigma probably among people who either, uh, coincidentally, people who either already have a lot of money or people who uh, most want a lot of money that they sort of act like money is not important or whatever. Um, if you ask anyone who doesn't have money, uh, they probably want more money. So... Anyway, um, using that sort of framework, thought about some of the things that I like to do and uh, that, you know, resulted in some of those, or, you know, that added to some of those things, health, happiness, wealth, purpose, and uh, just sort of started with, like, some of the most fundamental things I could think of, and I've always been sort of interested in, like, I have this sort of... Uh, bipolar, not in like the uh, emotional disorder or psychological disorder type of bipolar, but bipolar in that it's like sort of at two extremes. Uh, my interests in like things to do, like I enjoy the, uh, the very old and fundamental and like Lindy, you could say, uh, activities. Um, so, you know, things like walking, running, enjoying a meal with friends and family, um, being outside, uh, things like this, writing, reading, 
being a little less lindy probably than those other things I mentioned, but it's pretty darn lindy nonetheless. Um, I think that those things are, uh, I don't know, they just feel very good and like very human to me. Uh, but at the same time, I also really am intrigued and interested in sort of the most cutting edge things uh, that have been brought about by technology, like things that have never been able to have been done before that only recently became possible because on the one hand, I think some of these experiences are just really cool. Um, but on the other hand, I feel like, um, you know, there's on the Lindy side of things, there's a reason, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's a bad reason to you need to be careful of that. But a lot of times these human traditions and practices and habits that have been around for years and years and years, um, you know, there's there's a good reason why they've been around and why they've stuck around and why people have done them. And on the and so you know they're in that sense they're arguably worthwhile things to do. Um, where on the newer side, on the cutting edge side, um, I think there's a ton of upside from basically doing something that like as a habit regularly that no one has previously done or very few people have previously done um, or you're using technology to make something that's been able to have been done for a long time cheaper and accessible to you where it wasn't previously. So as an example of that, um, something that was probably quite lengthy was um, that sort of connects the two in a way. Uh, you know, some of these well-known people from history have had people who they would sort of, the, the famous person or the smart person or leader of whatever kind would sort of sit in a chair or lie down or go for a walk and uh, talk to the person that they had alongside them who would transcribe what they were talking about. So. Uh, sort of an, uh, an audio or, or verbal form of um, writing. Oh, hold on. Got a By the way, I'm uh, taking a new route today, slightly less pleasant route for walking, but. I found after much experimentation that the other route was, it was not a problem with my phone that was leading to the dropouts. It was not a problem with my headphones that was leading to the dropouts. It seems to be, you know, an area issue or a Verizon issue where uh, the service is just a little bit spotty where I like to walk. So uh, try another path in the city, seeing if that works out any better. I guess we'll find out. But um, Going back to the dictation, you know, people, it used to be that you could only sort of afford this habit and this practice if you were quite wealthy, because you have to, you know, pay another human to do it, and you've got all sorts of other things that you'd probably pay people to do before you're paying someone to just sit around and transcribe what you're talking about. Um, but now there's software that 
allows you to do this freely. And uh, you know, I mentioned otter.ai I've used, and uh, I'll go for a walk and turn on otter and uh, pop in a pair of headphones. And suddenly, this thing that used to only be accessible to you know the very wealthy is accessible to me for whatever it is, ten dollars a month or something. Um, and I don't just use it for that. Uh, you also use it to create transcripts for the main podcast and things like that. And as I'm speaking right now, actually, I believe this app that I use to record Walk and Talk Colin uh, does transcription. And this whole thing is free. I'm not paying for any of this. So um, the commoditization of things that used to cost a lot of money uh, can be worth taking advantage of, especially when I think that relatively few do that. Like, few people, you know, flip on otter and uh, go for a walk and talk about whatever and do a dictation. Uh, even fewer people probably do exactly what I'm doing right now and going for a walk and recording for a uh, public published podcast. Um, so I just think these things are interesting because it's sort of unexplored territory. And if you stumble upon something that is super beneficial, you could not only be the only person or one of very few people alive today that's, you know, gaining from doing this thing, but um, benefiting from doing this thing, but might even be like the only, one of the only people in history to do this because it's a very new concept. And so it could lead to sort of uh, unbound potential in a way because no one's ever tried that before. So if you identify something that's newly possible and seems really interesting and worthwhile, I think not only is it interesting and fun, but it's also um, potentially very valuable. Um, so another example uh, is, you know, going for a run or going for a walk and listening to a podcast. I've talked about this before, but I just found it so amazing that, like, I could go for a run. I remember I just had this specific realization one time I was on a run, and uh, I'm listening to this uh, talk that someone gave at YC. I forget exactly who it was. Someone I respect and like listening to, and uh, and I'm on this run, and I'm like, just, this is pretty wild, uh, you know, everyone else. Like, everyone who's in this class at Y Combinator had to, A, get permission to um, participate in this in this talk, in this audience, to listen to this talk. They had to get into YC first. Uh, so it's permission to put permissionless. And secondarily, they had to, you know, travel from wherever they were, to get to this specific place, to sit in this specific room at probably a somewhat cramped desk on possibly a very nice day and uh, sit there and listen to this talk. And despite all of that, still a great opportunity. But here I was outside running, permissionlessly listening to the very same talk just a few years later. And, of course, it could be a day or two later or the same day even. Uh, this just happened to be an old recording. But I just thought that was so 
so interesting and uh, so cool um, that you know I could mix, for example, exercise and being outside with having access to the same talk that um, these people did and, and a permission this way as well, whereas it was previously permissioned. So um, things like that. I just think that uh, there are new opportunities coming about, like the you know head, headphones, like AirPods are only so old, and podcasts are only so old, and you know cell phones are only so old. These are relatively new things that you can do. Um, another up and coming one that I'd like to invest some more time in is is uh, VR. Spent a little bit of time in there. For whatever reason, it just doesn't really pull me back in. But um, you know, something's worth doing. Takes some effort, and putting on the headset is hardly very much effort. So I'd like to start just experimenting with that a little bit more. And uh, I put out a tweet yesterday that was like, "What are some things you can do with 10 minutes per day?" that seem very clearly worthwhile. In other words, it would be very hard to argue that these things are not worth just 10 minutes a day. Not saying any more than that, but at least 10 minutes. Um, and I think like spending 10 minutes per day in VR probably qualifies pretty well as one of those things. It's not enough to, you know, totally, like I, I think spending three hours a day in VR is very questionably worthwhile. Um, like, and I say that, I mean, questionably worthwhile, as in, like, I would tend to say that is not worthwhile, that that is too much time in VR per day, and that that is a waste of time, uh, to some degree. Could be wrong, but that would, that would be my gut sense. Um, but 10 minutes a day in VR, just to become more comfortable with it than probably 99.9 or 99.99 and maybe some more nines percent of the world um, is probably worth that incremental 10 minutes. And uh, so I don't have any plan and I have to commit to it right now for whatever reason, but I can say I think that is probably a thing worth doing. And that's another example of spending your time in something that is, um, you know, very cutting edge and new. And then again, you pay that against something that is uh, very old or lindy and um, I think that's both from both sides it's an interesting way to sort of uh, organize your day um, so anyway when I had all of this free time coming back to the main point um, I started by wiping the schedule as clean as possible and certainly wasn't using a calendar during this period or anything like that, um, and started with things that I thought were sort of most fundamental, um, and that was um, that was running and writing. So every weekday for several months, uh, like the main consistent part of my day, you know, again, didn't have a job, the main consistent part of my day was to write and, importantly, publish one blog post every weekday and to um, 
go for a uh, a run of some distance, usually between three and when I was really scaled up, you know, half marathon-ish type distances. But for the most part, it was like three five, three five six, three five, three five seven, three five three five ten or whatever, like sort of uh, between half hour and you know hour plus or something, you know, more rarely two hour plus type runs and uh, felt really good. You know, did it feel like I probably could have been doing more and did I sometimes feel bad that I wasn't working and making money, uh, you know, working in a traditional sense, like having a job? Yeah. Uh, but generally, this was like a very enjoyable period of my life. Like, I mean, it's not really that surprising, I guess. Like, you've got all these people that work their whole lives to get to retirement. Retirement is sort of generally viewed as this very enjoyable thing, and it's probably because you basically have financial freedom, and more than that, you have total freedom of your time. Um, and a lot of times people talk about sort of, you know, they work their whole lives to get to retirement, and then they find retirement to be a bit boring and aimless. And I don't know if there's a real argument to this, but you sometimes hear people like dying soon after retiring and they don't just like die out of nowhere or whatever, but their health declines and it could be that they just sort of like, because they don't have any sort of sense of purpose or thing to do with their days. I don't know. There could be some correlation or causation and all of that, but um, I don't really strongly desire to retire in any sort of permanent way but what i think is more interesting is finding opportunistic times in your life to wipe the slate clean and uh you know like the next time i'm able to wipe my slate my slate clean uh i'll have prior experience and you know all of this to to basically inform um, what I want to do with my days. The next time I have much more free time to assign. And of course, even now I'm experimenting with different ways to spend more limited amounts of free time. And um, yeah, I mean, I just think that if you if you wipe the slate clean and start by adding only the things that you are most confident are very worthwhile for whatever reasons you determine and feel very valuable to you. It's just like a very nice way to live, I think, and to not be in a rush to fill all that time. Um, you know, if you move on from a previous job, the tendency is to go and immediately get another job. Most people don't leave their current job until they have the next one already lined up. But if you have some runway from some savings, I don't think there's really any good reason not to take a little time if you sort of flip the argument around. Um, this is another thing. A lot of times there is a certain default where, um, for example, not leaving your current job until you have another one lined up. Um, that's the default, and so you have to make a compelling argument against it, or most people think you have to make a compelling argument against that in order to go and quit your job without the next one lined up. 
But if you flip the default, and instead of the default being to stay at your job until you have the next one lined up, consider for a second that the default is that you should quit immediately. And you have to then justify the opposite, that um, why should I stay in this current job? Forget about getting another job or anything like that, but just think the default is to quit. And, um, you know, argue against that. Why should I, why should I certainly not quit right now? And you might be able to come up with great reasons. Like, for example, if you have zero savings, um, probably don't want to just like quit your job, you know, out of nowhere. Uh, that could leave you in a pretty sticky situation. But if you do have a lot of savings and a lot of runway and you don't like your job, for example, uh, and you haven't liked it for a very long time, and you've known you wanted to leave, forget about needing another gig lined up to to quit if you have a long runway. You know, good luck making an argument that you shouldn't quit. I don't, you know, if, that's the, if the default decision is that you should quit, based on all the reasons I just said, and you can't come up with a compelling argument as to why you shouldn't, you know, probably go for it. Uh, I don't want to lead to anyone quitting their job where it just totally doesn't make sense or is definitely a dumb decision. Um, and there's certainly all sorts of context for why that could be. But make that argument and make a good argument. And if you can make a good argument, great. But if you can't and you think you're generally pretty good at making arguments, then there's probably not a very good argument for why you're staying and you probably should be. So anyway, flipping defaults, flipping the default decision, people... You know, the default is always the status quo, basically. Um, and so there's always a bias to keeping things the same. Um, that's just the way it is, and you have to convince yourself to change it. But if you can just, as a thought exercise, um, consider that the change is, would be the default decision, and you would have to choose and rationalize and justify choosing to do the status quo from as if you basically weren't right now. Um, a lot of times, I think that's not a choice that you would make. Um, it's only uh, basically a non-choice that you continue to, to make by just going along with the status quo. So anyway, lots of tangents today, but some somewhat interesting frameworks and principles, I think. Um, so, again, coming back to the free time thing, and the original, I'm going to hear some sirens, maybe, so I'll take just a look. So coming back to the original point and the one-liner, free time is undervalued because it is free. I think I have defined free time substantially, if not overly so. And I think that I have done a decent job from a bunch of different angles of explaining why I think free time is tremendously valuable. Uh, and yet, very few of us have very much of it. 
and um, especially, I think, ambitious and growth-minded people um, sort of just undervalue the free time. And, uh, you know, the second part of the sentence, they undervalue free time, people undervalue free time because it is free. Um, there's this, you know, why is that? What do I mean by that? There is this concept that um, people undervalue things that are free in general um, because basically if you pay a lot for something, um, you know, everything is a trade. And so if you are paying a lot of money in exchange for something, it feels like that thing is very valuable. And the, the reason that thing costs a lot may be because it is scarce and things that are scarce feel very valuable and sort of, I think, more clearly are quite valuable. At least they are rare. Not everyone could have it if they wanted it. Um, but there are plenty of things that are free that are very valuable as well and maybe undervalued because they are free. And so what do I even mean when I say free time is free? Well, it's kind of a joke because it's called free time. Um, but if you actually think about like what free time costs, um, you don't have to pay money to have free time. You don't have to pay time to have free time. Like, for example, you have to pay money out to a restaurant um, that is not free time. I mean, if you may choose to do that with your free time and whatnot, whatever. But if you have like a dinner plan, uh, let's say one that you don't want to go to, um, that's something that you're paying for. Um, you're paying to spend your time in that way. And on the other side of things, you know, so that's paying for paid time, basically. Um, and then there's uh, the other type of paid time, which is paying for, or yeah, rather paying for what you're doing with your time, with your with your time, basically, with your work, uh, and getting money in exchange. And so this also feels somewhat valuable because the thing that you're get you're doing, you're getting paid to do. Um, so there's like some, some transaction of value there. Um, just having free time without transaction, it's like sort of hard to reason. I mean, I've, I've done it for the first whole part of this recording, but moment to moment, day to day, not thinking a little bit more deeply about some of these things. It's hard to like argue like this free time is more important than this thing that I want to do um, or that I, I feel that I have to do. And so we just sort of sell our time to the highest bidder, uh, you know, usually an employer, and give them a huge block right off the bat. And then there's all these other things that we convince ourselves we have to do um, 
that, you know, take time and we just sort of give it away here, give it away there. And before you know it, your entire day is occupied from sleep to sleep. And maybe you have a little bit of free time on the weekends that you reserve to play things by ear a bit and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I think people just give away their time a bit too easily. Like you wouldn't give away your money like this. Um, you don't just take all of your money and like give it to, you know, like spend all of the money that you have every day. Um, and you know, maybe part of it is because you can't save time in the long run, like beyond the passing moment. Um, but you can save free time, basically, um, by not committing to things that are recurring demands on your time in the long run. And uh, so maybe that's sort of one way to think about it is you can't pile up time. And like the less you like if you could, I think more people would be protective of it because you can save all of this time. And so you only want to spend it on things that really feel more worthwhile. Um, and of course, people would spend all of their time, just like some people spend all of their money and don't save it all. But at least there would be some people who save more of their time. But you can't just put time in a bank account and take it out whenever you want. As it comes, you have to spend it. But you can your available time, basically, your free time, and uh, maybe that's an interesting way to think about it. And like I said at the top of the episode, it's sort of an undeveloped idea and a, uh, a little bit hard to talk about. But um, I just thought it was an, an interesting one-liner because it, it incorporates the element of free time being undervalued up front. And then it poses that perhaps free time is undervalued in part because it is free. And obviously, it's sort of uh, kind of an interesting play on words, I think. So, um, yeah. Um, Another point that's uh, tangential to this, but pretty much on the same concept, is uh, to look at things a little bit differently. Rather than saying free time is undervalued because it is free, let's try free time is underpriced because it is free, um, or underpriced at a price of being free. Uh, and this is sort of a... Uh, reference to an old uh, quote attributed to Benjamin Graham, I think, a famous investor who wrote The Intelligent Investor and inspired and I think mentored and taught um, Warren Buffett. Um, 
And I think there's this story, if I'm not getting it wrong, where Warren Buffett went up to Ben Graham and uh, offered to work for him for free or to like apprentice under him for free. And Ben Graham said, um, you know, like you're actually no thank you or something. You're actually overpriced. Um, so he was basically saying that, uh, you know, his uh, Warren's willingness to work for him for free was uh, too high of a wage. And it's like, how is that possible? He's not asking for any money. Um, but what uh, Graham was saying was basically, you should be paying me for that. Um, it costs me time to mentor you and things like this. Um, this is something that you want, not something that I want. You should be paying me, even though the, the norm with the job is that you need to do it. I think this is sort of the case in a lot of situations. If it was really a market, um, a true market, I think some people would sort of pay money to work for others. Um, but I don't know. There might, there might be a few reasons this isn't the case, but probably the people who people would pay, to, most people would pay to work for, um, pay money to, to pay time for, basically, to, to spend time for or with uh, the people they're trying to work for, like in this case, Ben Graham, probably are have enough money and aren't interested in trading their time for your money. Um, so it's just not really a situation that not be like an apprentice investor, but it might be like, you know, a chef or like a maid or some someone that can save them time as opposed to costing them time uh, for mentorship or the like. Uh, so anyway, you know, free time, concept that free time is underpriced. Um, and, you know, free is, uh, is, or rather, sorry, free time is overpriced, and rather free should not be free. You should have to pay for it. Um, I think that's an interesting concept because it's something that translates very literally and practically. There are things you can pay for, ways you can spend money to... Um, save yourself time, and to the extent you have that money or over time as you get that money, I think these are opportunities that are very worthwhile to look for. Um, and so, you know, for example, um, my girlfriend and I, you know, have a, a townhouse type of thing, and um, she likes to have it uh, very clean. And uh, I, of course, all things equal, would prefer to have it very clean as well. But I care about cleanliness more in terms of, like, having a bunch of crap all over the place. I don't really care if, like, you know, uh, things aren't, like, dusted all the time or whatever. I think this is just sort of a difference in preferences and uh, values between guys and girls in a lot of cases. Um, and so, you know, I'm not, like, compelled to 
like clean around the house as often as she is, it feels like a waste of time to me if I could clean, you know, clean up things or like do vacuum or whatever once a month um, instead of twice a week. I mean, instead of uh, twice a month every two weeks, then, uh, you know, there's like no sensible difference to me really. It doesn't impede on my day-to-day at all, the difference between those two. And so at least one of those sessions is like the basically a waste of time in my view. Um, but overall, like cleaning the house isn't really something that I get a uh, very much value out of or makes me happy or healthy or wealthy or uh, gives me a sense of purpose. And in fact, it probably has negative value in a bunch of those ways. Like sometimes the physical work of some kind can be somewhat enjoyable in a way. I will grant that. Um, I just like you know, getting things done. Um, It's actually somewhat of, like, a dangerous thing. I think people somewhat get addicted to, like, getting things done. Maybe addicted is a strong word, but they really enjoy it. And so they start focusing on, like, getting all of these things done that really aren't bringing them to the place that they want to be. Like, it very much matters what you're getting done. And um, the thing that you're getting done like, the value is in that thing, not in, like, the getting done of it itself. Uh, and yet the getting done of something is something that sort of gives the immediate pleasure. And so something that I try to look out for, and this is a good example of that. And so I'd rather, you know, uh, vacuuming the house or whatever isn't making me healthier. It's not going to make me wealthier. Um, it doesn't give me any sense of purpose. And... Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make me happier. Uh, so uh, I think that, you know, this is like a category of things that I would like to uh, spend money on instead of time on. Um, by spending money on it, I can save that time. It's something that I would like to do. And so, um, you know, I've hired a uh, cleaning service to come by once in a while to sort of like take my shifts uh, and uh, it's great. Uh, you know, I should probably do it more, actually. Uh, I haven't maybe been hitting all my shifts lately, but uh, I'm happy to make that trade any day, uh, even though it sort of hurts to spend, like, we just have the, it hurts to spend money on, like, these things that you can do yourself. Um, again, even as I'm talking about all of this, it's just like we really undervalue time uh, versus money. And... Uh, I'm no exception to this. Even though I, I, I try to place a very high value on my time, it still hurts to spend a hundred bucks an hour or whatever it is on this cleaner to come to save the money. But trying to build the habit of doing that more and more, even before I have that much money, um, because I really do think the time is far more valuable. Um, Evolve Avocado has an interesting concept here, I thought, where he, um, from a young age, he said, before he had any business charging an extremely high price per hour for his work or valuing um, his time basically so highly, he set his, like, hourly rate to, like, $5,000 or something like this, and he's like, I'm not going to do any job that pays less than $5,000 unless it's something that I want to do. Uh, and so if I, uh, you know, 
order a, uh, you know, I don't know, a um, uh, tennis racket, let's just say. I'm making things up. But let's say I order a $150 tennis racket, and it comes, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't like it, or I don't want it, or whatever. It's like, it's not worth my time going to UPS to return, you know, unwrapping it and putting it in post mail. It's a $150 racket. It's going to take me half an hour to do all this to make the return. And, uh, and uh, you know, my time's worth $5,000 an hour. I'm just going to throw the racket away or donate it or whatever. Anything that doesn't take any time to give it to someone on the street. Um, I thought that was a very interesting sort of extreme way to go about it. Um, I think is quite admirable in a lot of ways. Uh, sort of a uh, North Star to work towards, and the critic could say, you know, why you don't really need to work towards it, just do it right away. But uh, it's hard, and it's not obviously to be worthwhile. Like, for example, 5000 could be too extreme, and, you know, you end up like draining your bank account to zero because. You start paying for all of these things that are not worth your time and, like, build up too high of a burn rate and, like, you're out of money and in debt because you've signed on to these recurring high-cost services or whatever. So I don't think that's something you can really do, like, mindlessly, but more strategically and iteratively over time. I think it's an interesting place to work towards. Um, Of course, over time you know, hopefully your time does sort of become more valuable and you can choose to, uh, you can justify charging more. And I don't know, this does sound a bit like excuses. Um, you could charge a high rate today if you want, certainly. Um, but anyway, it's just something that I think is valuable that I haven't yet totally incorporated myself. Um, so anyway, free time is... Uh, is underpriced, or I forget which way. It's sort of like a, a little bit of a mind twister. But um, basically, you should pay for things that can save you time. If you can pay money and get free time back in return, those are deals that you definitely want to consider. So keep an eye out for those things and get clever with those things. And uh, you know, another example is like that a lot of people actually make this trade-off for is cooking. Uh, you don't need to have a private chef anymore to avoid cooking without, you know, going to dinner every night or going out to every meal. Um, you can have things delivered. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't have to spend any time cooking. You don't even have to spend any time going to the restaurant. Uh, the food just arrives. And, you're not, and the only difference is you're paying for not just the food itself. Uh, like at the restaurant, you're paying a higher price than it costs at the grocery store because you're having people cook it for you. And when it's delivered, you're paying an even higher price than that because you're having people cook it for you. And then you're having another person deliver it to you. But, um, you know, the fees aren't that crazy. And so if you want to do this for some of your time, you know, go for it. And I'm actually thinking, like, 
even right now. I don't know. There's something uh, I think I don't do this a, a whole lot because, uh, like my breakfast, for example, I have like a smoothie most days, and um, uh, you know, maybe not right now, but over the last several years, I think like my most consistent bre- breakfast has been like smoothies or something with eggs or whatever, and like these are pretty quick and easy things to make and healthy. Like I think if you were to order like eggs delivered, it's sort of uh, first of all probably just like doesn't taste all that good and second of all uh you know they might use like a ton of butter or whatever that they do at restaurants and uh so i don't know it's just not particularly worthwhile and i don't really mind making breakfast so if it's some enjoyable thing then you know fine and it's not that i like thoroughly enjoy making breakfast or whatever but it takes like two or three minutes and uh results in a healthy and cost optimized from a cost perspective, money cost perspective. Breakfast, I think that's sort of, uh, and tastes good. I think that's and healthy. I already say that's well worthwhile, I think. So, um, but there's certainly instances, you know, if you're super plugged in to some work and the only alternatives to get dinner are, uh, and like, you know, you're getting hungry and the only alternatives to dinner are, uh, you know, you can make something yourself or you can order, then, uh, that's probably a good, like, and you're in the flow of things, like, that's probably a good situation where it's worth the money to order, get another half hour of work in while they're making it and delivering or whatever, take a smaller break to eat and then get on with it or whatever. So... Anyway, talked around this point quite a bit and uh, feel about ready to wrap up the walk and talk for this morning. But um, if you are listening, thank you for doing so. Um, hope you enjoyed and got something out of this. And thank you for spending your valuable bit of free time on listening to this. Uh, I know I might not be the most efficient in communicating everything, in particular on these walk-and-talk things, but, you know, in aggregate, an hour can be very much worthwhile if you get one very valuable tidbit out of it, or even several hours and dozens of hours, if 99% of that time is not worthwhile, but you get one thing out of it that changes your life, Material, you know, materially for the better. And uh, if you assume you couldn't have really come across that one valuable insight uh, if you hadn't spent the mass amount of time or you know, fairly large amount of time, then I would say there can be sort of one thing that makes all of that time worthwhile. And so that's more how I think about this. And uh, hopefully, you know, feel that I'm not wasting your time. And if you feel that I am, of course, you know, just don't listen anymore. I uh, sort of trust people to make that determination for themselves. But um, nonetheless, I'll keep doing this at least for a while and uh, enjoying the morning walking talk. And uh, a couple of people have reached out and said that they've been enjoying it, which is really cool because I sort of figured that like literally no one would be listening. I, 
sort of stopped tweeting it after the first few days. And, uh, yeah, it's just sort of quietly being uploaded every day or every weekday or thereabouts. Um, but if people are finding it and following it and listening to it, that's great. And uh, hopefully they're enjoying it. So anyway, wrap it up for today. But uh, hope you have a great day and do not forget to value your free time. Protect your free time and try to save it and be a little stingy with it like you would with money. And uh, you never know what can come out of that free time. So make sure you have some. All right. Uh, Wrapping it up for real now. Have a good day.